Absolute Radio Country is filled with the best sounds from Nashville 24 hours a day. But even we can't fit in everything. You'll find the full story right here. This is Country Music Talk, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the world of country music. We love bringing you the biggest names from the world of country music here on the podcast, so thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe if you haven't already, and that way you'll never miss an episode. And if you're in the UK, you can listen to Absolute Radio Country live and enjoy the no-repeat guarantee. It's our promise to never play the same song twice during your workday between 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. Right, on with the podcast. This is the Country Music Talk Podcast from Absolute Radio Country. I'm Baitlin Leonard. This is Absolute Radio Country, and my guest today is an artist who started out as a musician busking on the streets in New Orleans, Nashville, and New York City before... He even started to record and self-release his music. He's now firmly established in the country and Americana scene, and he's coming to play the UK very soon. Charlie Crockett, obviously I've seen you in the UK. I've seen you in Nashville quite a few times. Uh, Here I am sitting in the UK, so I want to focus on that a little bit. Uh, You played the Long Road Festival a few years back, and you've done loads of things over here. And when you return, uh, it's with even more new music under your belt. What is it about the UK for you? With this American roots music scene, I think up until this point or till recently, we was really seen as regional music. And most of the people that I know um, haven't exactly put a lot of time or had a lot of faith in going overseas. But but the way that I see it, it's become a world audience, and I really do think it it runs through London and 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 the greater United Kingdom. It absolutely does. I think anybody can relate to music that's authentic, that tells a story. And I don't think you have to be geographically from one place to relate to something like that. Yeah, I've got a lot of business in London. Let's talk a little bit about your story because, you know, you're well known to a lot of people in the UK. But, you, I mean, you got a real story to tell in terms of rising through the ranks and, you know, picking up your first guitar when you were, what, 17 or something like that, right? And then off you went busking around the world. And, and you did a bit of busking, not just... Uh, in the States there, but you were busking around Europe as well, right? Yeah. You know, I backed into this career kind of through hard luck and circumstances, you know, and I was playing outside public areas like parks, just looking for a, a way to be left alone long enough to, you know, write a song or something. And that was my, was my escape from maybe the realities, my trials and tribulations. And somebody ended up throwing money in my guitar case one day and that was the first sign to me that maybe I could get by, you know, on street corners and hoboing around. The short story has been, you know, me spending the last, you know, 22 years learning how to stand behind that guitar and you know everything that I do and music and how I write songs and look at the music business. I, I treat it all like that same guy that learned everything standing on a street corner, you know, and that's how I got to Europe. I was hoboing around the States, playing in Texas, playing Louisiana, playing in New York City. I had hitchhiked up there and started playing in Central Park under a bridge there. And then it was just about moving to better and better spots. And at one point I was playing in a neighborhood of Manhattan called Lower East Side, this place called Lucky Jack's in the basement there in open mic. And I met a lot of interesting characters there. And there was a there was a guy named Sasa Chavez that that ran the place and really got a lot of people their start or put people on a stage that otherwise would have had a hard time getting in front of an audience, especially street type folks. And eventually I met a guy from Denmark named Benjamin Augerbach, a jazz singer well known in that country. 
who was coming over to the States a couple of times a year to, to New York. And eventually we became friends. And after a couple of years, he ended up bringing me over to Denmark. And I played the little folk circuit around the city at the coffee houses, the little folk houses, did a couple of the blues clubs. And I was still pretty rough around the edges and kind of burned out on that pretty quick and ended back up on the street there in Copenhagen after about six weeks. And I really was too rough around the edges to be playing ticketed shows for audiences on a stage with a band. But the funny thing is, as soon as I went back out on the street, I was making so much more money than I was in those little, you know, coffee houses. And it was something that I didn't expect was that being an American, being a Texan, standing out on the street over there in Europe, I was making three times more money probably than I had been when I was in New York City. And I ended up down in, in Paris because uh, my mama loved Paris. I've got a lot of French heritage and I'd always wanted to go there. And I ended up taking a bus from Copenhagen with the last, I think the money in Denmark was kroner, something like that. And I took the last little grip I had and went to Paris. And I'm glad I didn't stop to think about the language barrier or any of that stuff. You know, I might not have gone. And I ended up doing Paris, France on the street for about a year. And I made even more money there. And because of the language barrier, maybe the isolation of the, of the language barrier, I, I fell so deep into street performing and living outside. You know, I had lived outside in the United States a little bit, but in Paris, it was like 100% outdoors. Wasn't speaking to anybody, just playing outside all the time. And so I've always had this little saying, you know, I was, I was born in Texas, but I do feel like I came to life as a street performer in Paris. I think that's when I really killed the false me, if you want to, if you want to call it that. Yeah, sure. And, and and also, you know, what you're saying about if you had thought about the language barrier and all that stuff, you you maybe wouldn't have gone to Paris. I think that works in a lot of different ways. And, in, in, you know, starting a new career or going into a new uh, chapter of your life. And it, I think sometimes the less you know and the less you think about it, the better it is. Because once you know how things are meant to work, then you start questioning yourself going, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this or maybe I need to do that before I do that. Whereas if you kind of go into it a little bit dumb, for lack of a better word, then you just think, well, I can do this. I'll give this a go and see how this works out. I think it's good life advice that don't educate yourself too hard about something. Just go do it. The French got a fancy word for that. It's called uh, naivete. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord, I didn't know I spoke French. Now I do. I'm just a clown. I, I love that song. Uh, tell us a little bit about this song. I heard that phrase somewhere in the ether and wrote it down like I tend to do. Yeah, I'd written it down somewhere. And then a few months later, I saw the Joaquin Phoenix character study on, on the Joker yeah. when they put that film out in the Batman series, the Joker. And I was so moved by his portrayal of that character. I was so moved by it in a way I wasn't expecting. When the film ended, I pulled my guitar out and had been working with this phrase and was kind of starting it as a really simple three chord kind of George Jones style country song. And I revisited it after watching the film and it kind of flipped it on its head and, you know, turned it more into a kind of R&B country soul thing. And, and that's what came out, you know, and I can't tell you how many songs I've either started or been able to finish or, or, or get the story together, you know, inspired by, you know, a film that I was watching. And I can say, I think that the Joker is such a great character study on, you know, alienation, on mental illness, um, personal struggle in you know a society where you can people can really feel unheard or or whatever you know mm. 
the, just the, hu- the humanizing of the Joker. Everybody can understand what it's like to play the clown. You know, what's that? Was it Cicero that said, uh, make them laugh or they'll kill you? Uh, so another of my favorites from The Man from Waco, it's Trinity River. Tell us about that song. Trinity River. Say, so it's a, you know, I was born in South Texas, Rio Grande Valley, pretty isolated region. But my mama moved us up to Dallas when I was a kid. And I split time between Dallas there with my mama and down in New Orleans with my uncle. And I think you hear a, song, a lot of my stuff, you can hear that mix of the Texas and the Louisiana sound, oh, yeah. especially on a song like Trinity River. That's a river that runs through the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It forks right above the area, and the West Fork goes through downtown Fort Worth, and the East Fork runs just south of downtown Dallas. And then it meets back up again and runs into the Louisiana border and pours out of the Gulf of Mexico. But whatever, especially years ago when I was still really hitchhiking and, and you know, was an itinerant, I would spend a lot of time down on the levee on the Trinity River writing songs, and it was a place to kind of get away from the jungle that is Dallas. Mm. And I was sitting there on a little footbridge over that river one afternoon and song just kind of came to me. Like it was just flowing down in the current and I just was right there, you know, to, to catch it. And I'd written that song many years ago and put it on the first kind of official album I ever recorded called The Stolen Jewel that I self-released. And then it became a staple of the live act with Blue Drifters, my band, my touring band. They'll be, they'll all be over there with me in Europe, by the way. And when we were recording the man from Waco, I'd always keep a list of backup songs that, you know, or potential songs to have in my pocket in case I need something. And I felt that the band had really had that song worked up to like a red hot thing. So one day, I think at the end of the session, we had some extra time and some tape and we laid that one down and one or two takes. And it's a good example of seeing with artists of all kinds of any medium kind of what you can do with something that you're working all the time mm. you know maybe a certain color palette style or you know a working road band like us it's kind of kind of reminds me of like uh i think they were english group uh like uh eric burden and the animals mm. back in the day their hit song house of the rising sun uh that was an old folk song and they were working off of uh an arrangement that had come through dave van ronk and especially more notably Bob Dylan. And at the end of a session, they had about 30 minutes left and a little bit of tape. And that song, they just threw it down because they were playing it every night. It wasn't part of the recording session plan or anything. It was a traditional. So, you know, they weren't, it wasn't even necessarily an original. So they weren't thinking about it that way, but it was something that the band was doing every single night in little clubs everywhere in Europe and, you know, the Americas or whatever. And they just threw it down at the very end of the day. And lo and behold, that became a obviously a global massive hit for them. Now, this is a very small version of that, but it's similar for me with Trinity River, where it was just a song that we knew really well that those guys were doing every single night. And if you listen to how that song was recorded back in 2015 and how it came out on The Man from Waco last September, you could see, uh, I don't know, man, I guess it's a little bit of the ugly duckling uh story or cinderella or something with that song it's charlie crockett with me here on absolute radio country uh, now before we just uh, tell everybody about your uk shows even though we touched on them already uh, the new album charlie crockett live from ryman this is a glorious thing i mean ryman you know is such an important hallowed ground for musicians not just country and roots musicians but just musicians in general what a, a great thing to have that a to be able to share it with all your fans but also i mean what a 
beautiful scrapbook for you to have of your life and your career as well. That must have been super special. Oh, Lord of mercy, Balin. I stood out in that alley a thousand times over the years, passing through Nashville, unseen, unheard. I worked the street corners of New Orleans, Louisiana, as hard as anybody that made it off the street. And I know that because I know if they were standing out on them street corners or not, if I see them in this part of the music business. But I'll mm. tell you, there's nothing harder than trying to play on street corners in, in Nashville. Broadway's Broadway makes Bourbon Street look easy. Mm. You know, needless to say, I felt anonymous in that town. And, you know, to slip in there and finally do my own show there, you know, and be on the marquee and get and have them spell my name right. Well, that just <laughs> didn't seem that just didn't seem possible a few years ago. It really didn't. It's Charlie Crockett with me here on Absolute Radio Country. Coming to the UK, shows in Manchester, Glasgow, Brighton, and London. I think the last time I saw you, Charlie, was uh, during Americana Fest in Nashville at the Station Inn. Um, maybe that was last year. And Oh, yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It was a fantastic night. It was packed out. And as always with the Station Inn, you can hear a pin drop because it's such a respectful crowd there. But you're an eloquent guy. You got a lot to say. You're an easy guy to talk to. But that night, I noted no chat in between the songs. You were just playing straight through. I think maybe the only thing you said was thank you (laughs) before you went off stage. Is that a choice for you? Because I've seen you. That's not always what you do. But certainly that night, that was what you did. You know, kind of goes along the lines and people ask me how I'm doing and I say I can't complain. Nobody listen <laughs> unless I put it in a song. And so I've been really letting letting the songs speak. You know, they do a lot better job of, you know, getting my feelings across than anything I can say in between songs. You know, and, and plus if I if I talk too much, I won't be able to get as many songs in it. <laughs> I won't be I want people to hear as many as possible. Well, we want to hear as many as possible as well. We'll be hearing loads of them when you come to the UK. You know, speaking of busking, when you were telling that story about the alley outside of, of the rhyme, and I remember walking through there once, and there was a, a busking band there with Abby the Spoon Lady, which I don't know if you know who Abby the Spoon Lady is or not, but I've been obsessed with Abby the Spoon Lady forever, and they were out there busking. They'd come into town for it, and I got to chatting with her, and um, you know, you can see that dream on a lot of people who are busking in Nashville, and so... Um, it must have felt so special for you, like you were saying, to be on that Ryman stage and know that you had been outside that door dreaming of it. And then suddenly you're inside that door to a sellout crowd. And also riding around on the buses you were talking about earlier. Now I can see in the background, looks like you're on quite a fancy pants bus now. So congratulations on all your success. It's well-deserved and we can't wait to see you when you get back over here. Oh man, I'll be twice as good. Money back guarantee. Always a joy to see you, Charlie. We'll see you when you get over here. Thank you for the time. The Country Music Talk podcast from Absolute Radio Country. An in-depth look behind the scenes at the world of country music. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll have another dropping soon for y'all, so don't forget to keep it country. If you enjoy the Country Music Talk podcast, chances are you'll also enjoy Absolute Radio Country. It's the place where real music matters, and we love country music just as much as you do. You'll find us online on the free Absolute Radio app on digital radio throughout the UK, or just ask your smart speaker to play Absolute Radio Country. 